doors are filled with transition. One moment we think we're one thing, and the next we find that we're something completely different. We can't really know what we are till we look back. Phrases like, I was a stupid kid, or when I was younger, always seem to make the most sense. So it's almost like we don't really know who we are now. We don't know who we are till later. And maybe this is why we can't really tell ourselves who we are. I mean, sure, people think they know who they are, especially teenagers. I remember being 16 thinking I knew exactly who I was. Now I have a completely different hairstyle, I eat differently, and I have different ideas of what I'm supposed to be. When I was 16, I was thinking army. Now I'm thinking engineer. Who knows what I'll be thinking later. But that's okay. Because when we do this, it makes life a little less scary. I mean, we don't want to be roaming around in the dark, having no idea what to do or where to go. Our arm, our hand barely scraping against the wall that we try to find a light switch upon. In order to get some insight into what's going on around us, we cling to the nearest thing we can. So, you thinking you know exactly who you are when you're 16 is like stroking your hand along a wall as you walk through a dark room. You think you know where everything is, but you're still trying to find the light switch. One thing that's hard to believe is that some of us will never find our light switch. Some of us will never really know what we're supposed to be. See, I don't know if I should be scared or comforted by that. By the fact that I might be one of those people who never turns on the light, never gets to see what's in the room. We bump into things and we don't really know who we are or what we're doing. But we think we do. It's like the first day in a new house that you just moved into. You think you know where the door is, you think you know where the light switch is, but you're still feeling for it. Honest to God, having no idea what you're doing and just trying to make yourself feel better by thinking you do. We do this every day. We cling to a single idea of ourselves thinking that's who we are. That's why some think they're horrible people for the one time they forgot their daughter's pageant. Or that one time we push someone down on the swings. We fixate on these things, and these are the things that drive us to madness. To destroy ourselves. If you fixate on the girl you pushed on the swing, then you're going to hate yourself and think, well, if I'm just going to be someone who pushes people, I'm going to push everybody. And this is where you get your bullies. And you think you're a horrible father because you missed your daughter's recital, and suddenly you turn to alcohol to try to get away from the pain. It doesn't go away, so you drink and drink and drink until you become that man that you hate. You've hurt your family. See, it's almost as if we self-sabotage. We try to tell ourselves who to be when we're already being who we want to be. You know? There's a hundred different things that add to our personality. Am I just a longboarder? Am I just a stoner? Am I just a gamer? Am I just a drag queen? Am I just a clerk? Am I just a banker? Am I just a lawyer? Am I just a dad? Am I just a mom? Am I just a chef? Am I just a pain in the ass? Am I just a meth fuck up? 
Am I just a failure? Am I just an experiment? We perpetuate these thoughts within ourselves and try to make it our reason to exist when we really have to look at the bigger picture. We fixate on the things that make the most apparent, the things that make themselves the most apparent to us. Some people fixate on the wrong things. I did one bad thing, I'm just going to do it again. Well, that's not necessarily true. Children stop biting and dogs stop peeing on the carpet for a reason. At, at their smaller age or their less developed mind, they don't have the bias that tells them that they need to pick one thing to be. You're told your whole life, what do you want to be when you grow up? And when a kid says, I want to be a fireman and a policeman and a doctor, the teacher says, pick one. That's too many things to be. Why? Why is one thing all we get to do? Why is one thing the thing we get to do the rest of our lives? I don't get it. You tell us to be anything. And then you turn around and say we can only be one anything. I can't be a beauty parlor worker and a rollerblader at the same time. I can't be a barber and a fireman at the same time. When these things would be so easy to be together, people never put them together because they're told they have to be one thing. What one thing can you want to be? I never made my choice. There's times where I still want to be a soldier. There's times where I still want to go stop bad guys and put them in handcuffs. There's times where I still think about being an actor or a writer. I have those options. But I have to go back to the mindset where I have to be an engineer. Because I can only be one thing that I want to be. Because if I, if I don't put all my effort into one thing, I won't get it. I won't be good enough. That's not true. There's people who do so many things. Like bicyclists who own bakeries and marathon runners who make bicycles. Why can't I be an engineer and a chef? And a writer? Why can't I do all of it? Why can't I play video games and work out and play college sports? Why can't I be a drag queen who works out at the gym every day and tends to a zen guard? Why can't we have these multiple facets? In old movies you see cliques, greasers, socias, you know, bratty girls, the nerds, jocks. We're always putting ourselves in the categories. Do we do this to make our lives easier or harder? If you look at the Breakfast Club, none of them belonged in their clique. They belonged together as friends because of common interest. We don't get to do that, though. Because it seems like you keep trying to put us in boxes and put labels on us and ship us out. We have to be made to order. Our entire lives were told to be something by our parents, by teachers, by, by bosses. But it's not fair to us. Why do we have to choose? Why can't we do everything we want to? 
Why am I looking at a future where I'm only sitting behind a desk every day? When I want to have the future where I build things in my office to be built by others and travel to other countries and work out, do yoga, drink tea, have bonsai. Futures where I can cook every night and learn something new and make amazing dishes and play games as they come out just to enjoy them and keep my mind sharp. Why can't I look at that future and think that's normal? Why do I look at it and go, well, I don't know if I'll be able to do all that? Because everything I see on TV and be told my entire life is that I can only do one thing. If our parents want us to do things right, why only give us one option? Because once we fuck up, we're stuck in it. When you go bungee jumping, they give you a rope and an emergency harness. When you go skydiving, they give you a backup parachute, but we're not expected to have a backup in life. We're not expected to hone skills outside of our main skill set because we're expected to do one thing perfectly. We're expected to be a cog in a machine and turn perfectly when we're supposed to. We're expected to fit in a certain place and do a specific thing. And it's a system that we built ourselves that I can't help but think of. That's something that shouldn't stand, something that should be destroyed. These are reasons that fathers go home and feel crappy towards their children. Like they're not doing enough for them because they're told they have to work or have kids. They can't do both. Your son's birthday is not as important as the reports you have due on Sunday. Your daughter's recital isn't as important as the signed paperwork you need to tear down a building. Your wife getting sick and needing to be driven to the hospital because she had food poisoning so bad that she was vomiting blood isn't as important as the quarterly reports that you owe your boss. Because these small things are things that get people fired every day. You make it to where we have to be one thing. And you don't see why we're unhappy in our own world. Politicians and senators think how they make the world better is by giving more places to fit into a cot. More molds to shape you into. But we don't need that. We need leeway. We need to ha have a world where we can take priorities that really matter. You shouldn't be asking which is more important. Eating food on the table or making sure my children love me. Not that they won't love you if you make a few mistakes. But... They might look back and say that my dad wasn't there that much. Why should you have to worry about that? Why should you have to go through your everyday life wondering if your kids are going to look back and wonder if you were there enough? You should be able to do what you need to provide and make them happy. But we live in a world where that's not something that's possible right now. And people wonder why the world's going to hell. Why there's riots and war because there's always something that isn't enough. And it's because someone else has to have it their way in a specific, organized stack. When you're a child, you look at the world as a stack of blocks. You can stack them however you want, however high you want, however big you want. When you're older, the world looks more like a puzzle. You have pieces that have to go in proper places. And if one's wrong, you throw it out and find a new piece. 
you put it somewhere else. What you thought was the head falls and becomes a bottom piece. Like someone, say, who served our country as a soldier, went into the war and got paid wealth, or came out disabled, or otherwise unable to provide for themselves and end up homeless. These pieces are being moved around, and it's not always by their own choice. Why not make the world blocks? Or we can build it the way we want to. Instead, we have to suffer through a system that destroys us and our families and our lives. And the pursuit of happiness with Will Smith. He makes a good point saying that you have the right to pursue happiness. Not that you are entitled to have it. But it's not easy for us to look for that happiness. Because in the movie... He tries his best to be a good father to his son and still fails in many places of not being able to be there for him because his job prevents him from being able to do anything. That he has to work so hard that he can't spend time with his son. It's not fair to us that we have to pick and choose these big things that should be a hard decision. We shouldn't have to choose between our kids and dinner. We shouldn't have to choose between a cubicle and a recital. We shouldn't have to choose between a computer screen and a football toss. It makes it very hard for parents to actually be parents. And people wonder why kids these days grow up the way they do. Daughters grow up and try to leave at the first attention they get from any man because it's their way out. Sons look for the attention from anyone that they can get, whether that's joining a band or selling drugs to get money so they can get out, because what matters to them is what matters to their father or their mother, that they had to work hard to make sure they were provided for, so money becomes the most important thing to them, and they will do anything to get it, they believe is what makes the world go round, because today it is. Money is what keeps this world going around. If the money disappeared, there'd be nothing. People would fall apart, everything would fall into anarchy, nothing would keep us spinning. Because money is the only thing that matters these days. Because if people have it, you're fucked. They say money can't buy happiness, but it's what buys you the things that make you happy and feel safe, a place to live. Food to eat. Water to drink and bathe in. And these are the basics. Now it's a culture where if you don't have the latest in downloadable TV or online streaming, you aren't seen as important. I grew up in elementary school talking about the free stations you got on a set of bunny ears and ten eye that you hooked to the back of the TV. My friend's talking about Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon while I'm talking about Cubo and Ion. Cartoons that my friends have never heard of because they didn't have to grow up that way. They didn't have to grow up looking at rabbit ears that you had to adjust when there were storms or because something shifted in the antenna. You spent 20 minutes just trying to get a single channel to work. When they had thousands at their fingertips, they couldn't choose between. Because of this, I was bullied, and my brother was bullied. Because we live in a culture where money defines your class, how good you are. You don't have cable TV, you're not as good as the other kids. You can't sit with them, you can't talk to them, you can't play games with them on the playground. You feel like you live under a rock. Because as you grow up, everyone's talking about things that you have no idea what they are. 
didn't have a smartphone until I was 16. I didn't know what YouTube was until I was 14. I rode the city bus to get to school most days. So my mom's too busy or too tired from working to drive us. Before my dad came back into the picture. And when you tell people you ride the bus, they look at you differently. They think of you as dirty, or gross, or diseased. Because you have to ride the bus to school. Because the school bus won't go to the part of town you live in. Because it's too far. And you can't switch schools because your friends are there. The one or two you make. Because you're different. You grew up in a way that made you optimistic and happy. People took advantage of that. And thought you were less than them. Because the world they grew up in is one where money is the only thing that speaks. Chris is a trampoline. He's so cool. Donnie's dad got a new car. Eric has a computer that plays games. I came to school, I had a box TV. Didn't learn what a flash screen was until about five years after they started coming out. I don't hate that part of my life. I don't look back and say I didn't have as much as them. I wonder why they thought they had more than me. What made theirs so much better than mine? It was different. I got to see different things and see the world from a different side. And it really is different. Because you're not like them. You don't see the world as money. Because you had to find other ways to do everything. When you're too poor to buy food or have your electricity stay on or your water. You have to make do with anything else you can and it makes things hard. But it also makes it where you have to figure out a solution to everything. So I grew up differently. I grew up, how do I fix this without money? How do I fix my problem without buying something? How do I fix my problem without making it worse? I actually am very thankful for the way it was brought up. Because it allows me to look at a world in a different way. To make sure I'm okay. I wouldn't know I wish my life on anyone else. But there are parts of it that make it to where I learned something different. And I was stronger for it. You act a little differently because you want to seem important to everyone around you. Because you feel like you aren't as important. Because you don't know why they think they're better than you. Because you don't see money as an object. You don't see it as something to possess. You see it as something that moves freely. That comes and goes. It should be used smartly, yes. But it's not always going to be there. I'm used to looking at my big account thinking, when is this going to be empty again? When am I going to hit zero? But I'm not afraid for when that comes. I'm like, okay, I'm getting close. Things are going to be like they were before. But I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid to be at zero in my account. I'm not afraid to be without money. It doesn't scare me. What scares me is that I'm going to have a problem that I can't solve without money. Because of the world I'm in now. When I was younger, most of my problems could be solved with a sorry, a written letter, or a piece of candy. 
Nowadays, everyone would think I have this problem requires money. I break my arm, I need money for insurance. You pay off the premium for the charge I get if it's not full coverage, or if I even have any at all. I blew a tire. I need to get it replaced with money. I get into an accident. I need money to fix my car. If I can't, if I don't have insurance, or the other person doesn't. I'm hungry. I need to buy something to eat. I'm thirsty. I need to buy water to drink. I'm cold. I need to buy somewhere to live. None of my problems can be fixed with words anymore. All of my problems have to go through a piece of paper that's meaningless without a world surrounding it. We give money its value. Because otherwise it's just a piece of paper with print and ink. You can't do anything in this world without money. Because if you don't have it, you're on the street looking for things in trash cans having to make it yourself. But why do we make the world this way? Where money controls everything. There used to be a time where you could grow your own food and only go into town to buy certain things from things you could sell. You didn't have to pay for water because you had a well in the ground or a river in your body. You didn't have to pay for a place to live because you just built land you built on top of land. You built your home on top of a piece of grassy hill and it didn't matter to anyone. Why do we make a system where we have to pay just to be somewhere safe to live away from the elements that could kill us? Somewhere we can be clean and hygienic so we don't get diseases. Why instead do we have to go through through a scenario where everything we do comes at a cost. These days you can't even be in love without paying. Now I don't mean prostitution, I mean a ring. It's not real love if you're not wearing a wedding ring that costs at least $2,000, I believe is the traditional layman's term rule. Or is it two months salary? No one knows anymore. All that matters is that the ring is expensive. You hear news stories where Van buys so-and-so this much money amount of ring. So-and-so got this big of a diamond ring, costing so-and-so much money. It doesn't matter that they're in love, it matters how big the rock is. How much stones on top of the silver or gold or platinum that wraps around a finger. All that should matter is man and wife. But what really matters is wedding ring and band. What really matters is how much was spent on the flowers, how much the dress and tuxes cost, how much the service cost, where is the venue, how much did it cost? Not, how long have you been in love? How did you know you were ready to get married? It's always money in this world. It does not matter what you do, that's amazing. What matters is how much money you spend doing it. At first it was who could spend the most money. Nowadays it's who can spend the least money. Couponers, house flippers. 
people doing all kinds of things to try to save a buck because they know that money is what's important. You can't have anything without wondering, without someone wondering if it's better than theirs or if theirs is better. Because for some reason, everyone has to be the best at everything. Because nobody feels like they're good at anything. Unless it's their one thing. We have to choose one thing to do with the rest of our lives. But we don't get to choose what we do with our lives. We don't get to choose what kind of world we live in. I chose to be... Waste management. And you're stuck in a world where everything matters about how much you spend on your day-to-day -day expenses. How much does your TV cost? How much is your car? What's your yearly salary? How much was the wine? No one cares about anything besides money. Does that mean the world's full of greed? No. Though there are many who are greedy and strive to have as much money as they can get their hands on. So that way they can feel like they've accomplished something. Bill Gates is only known because he's a millionaire. Steve Jobs for a multi-million dollar company. You forget people's names when their world or their empire doesn't make money. Some of the free apps you use on your phone are made by something by someone who put their heart and soul into it and you don't even know their name. Who invented the mobile internet browser? Who invented the mobile calculator? Who invented the calendar feature in your phone? Who wrote the code for these things? You don't know their name because they didn't make any money from it. And if they did, it wasn't enough for them to be important to you. Who made this app? Who made Spotify? Who made Anchor? Who made Twitch? Who made YouTube? You know who your favorite YouTuber is. But were you there when they only had one subscriber? Or a hundred subscribers? Or did you not know about them until they had 10,000? And the only reason you knew about them is because someone started passing them around because they were known. People wonder how much YouTubers make these days because it seems like the easiest option to make money with everything going on. What I don't understand is people who need more than they need to survive. When they have everything they have, they have phones, they have internet, they have online streaming services, but they have to get more and more and more and more and get more extravagant. Bigger houses, fancy paintings, nice cars. There are people who own 10 cars and will never drive three of them. There are people who own mass numbers of glass or silver or plateware, and some of them they will never even use. People who own land, buildings, or, you know, like Starbucks, for example. Let's take a look at Starbucks. The owner of Starbucks, whoever created the company, 
He's probably never set foot in more than six of his own establishments. Unless they were somehow, you know, important. A grand opening or an appearance which got them one. Do you think the guy who invented Walmart, who started Walmart, walks into more than three of them when they have everything he needs? The funny part is that these things are things you go into every day. King Supers, Walmarts, grocery stores, gas stations. We don't know who made these types of establishments, what their name was. How long it took for it to catch on. Everyone in the world knows who Gordon Ramsay is. But look look at the restaurant you probably go to every week. You don't even know his name or her name. You don't know their name at all. They could make you a hundred meals and you will never know their name. Because it doesn't matter to you. Because all you can think about is how much your Netflix costs. And if everyone in the room knows how important you are. And that's sad. That the man you probably eat three meals from, or at least one every week, will never know your name. And you will never know his. You will never thank him for a, a job well done unless it's with money that you pass around from the waitress to the building that he works in to him. He gets paid to make that food. Yeah, but he doesn't know where that money comes from. You don't know who you're paying to cook for you. You don't even know how he makes it. Or in particular reasons he probably organizes your hamburger, you know, patty, lettuce, tomato, cheese. or. Pickle, cheese, lettuce, patty, tomato. You don't know the reason he stacks things in a certain way. You don't know whether your waiter put the drink or the ice in your drink first. You don't know how they made the lemonade. You don't know anything. Because you're too busy focused on yourself. Your Facebook page, your Instagram, your Snapchat, what your friends are doing, and why they aren't doing it with you, and, what, and if what they did was fun, why you weren't invited to do it with them. You really have nothing better to do besides fixate on the things you weren't doing, weren't allowed to do. I heard somewhere that there was a statistic that you walk past 30 criminals in your lifetime. This could be wrong, I don't know who I heard it. Imagine walking past 30 criminals in your lifetime. And you've never looked up from your phone to see who any of them are. You could have passed someone on the way to a murder. Or someone covered in blood. And they just walked right past you. And you'd never recognize their picture on the news or in a paper or on the internet. Because you were looking at your phone when they walked past you. Probably holding the weapon. Or carrying it with them when they could have been caught instantly if you just pointed out that he had blood on him. Or called 911 thinking that something was off because of how shifty his eyes were as he walked past you. What did he look like? You don't know. How tall was he? You don't know. What color were his eyes or skin? You don't know. You don't even remember what color his jacket was or his hat or if he was even wearing a jacket or a hat or if he had hair or if he was bald because you were looking at your phone wondering what Tiffany was doing with Gianna's boyfriend in the Alps. 
or in a log cabin or in a pool or a hot tub. You are so fixated on the small things that don't actually matter to you that you missed something huge. Have you ever missed a train because you were sending a text? Didn't hear what someone was saying because you were looking at a meme or a Facebook post? Have you ever made someone do something again so you could film it and show your friends? We have our priorities set in a very, very wrong way. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing I think about is what to eat. Because making sure my body has fuel is important to me, but I always make sure that I brush my teeth after using the bathroom. After I eat, I think about what's going on in the world around me. News, so I look at my phone. I see what's going on. I never forget to see what the weather's gonna do that day. So I can make sure I can go outside or if I should stay in and practice a new activity. I work out almost every day. Push-ups, sit-ups, all that jazz. Because I want to do something different and new. I practice my guitar. I might go for a longboard ride or play a game. Or draw, enhance my skin. Watch a movie, a show, or TV. Because I don't want to be stuck doing one thing. I want to make sure I do enough to satisfy my mind. My girlfriend, however, can go the entire day just scrolling through Facebook. Can forget to eat. Can stay up late. I'm not one to talk. I'm staying up late to make this. 34 minutes and 10 seconds in, it's 1.13 in the morning for me. I don't understand how people can look at the world so differently. How two people who get along so much can have different worldviews. My girlfriend tells me I'm not optimistic enough when I'm trying to be realistic, thinking about all the bad things that could happen. And there's some times where I'm a little pessimistic, but not without reason. Not unless something bad has already happened to me in the past, but I guess that's bias. I prioritize around making sure I have a plan for anything that can go wrong. Well, most days she's trying to get me to let loose and have more fun than I normally do. And some days she succeeds and some days she fails. But it's part of the learning process. And that's how we fix this. We learn to change our priorities and learn to take value in things that need value. A thunderstorm. When was the last time you walked outside to a thunderstorm without a phone? And just watch the rain and the thunder go through the sky. The lightning, the flashes, the sounds. The clouds swirling. Moving back and forth with the wind. When was the last time you watched a sunset or a sunrise? What color are your girlfriend or wife's eyes? What's her ring size? How red do her cheeks get when you embarrass her or tell her you love her? What's her favorite color of lipstick? What color is her jacket? Or her phone? Her shoes? So 
sometimes you forget these important things because the other thoughts you're having in your mind are how much is too much to spend on a vacation or am I spending too much money on that pool I want to get was going with organic better than getting standard hamburgers at the store it would have been cheaper to get the American craft cheese over this expensive Monterey Jack carved from a block or a wheel. Why do most people not remember things? Memories they try to make with friends unless they did something that cost them money like going to a movie or a trampoline park. One of my best memories is going to the park with my brother with a couple of snacks and sitting in the bed of his truck and just talking. I decided to do that before my trip to LA and it was one of the best times I ever had with my brother. And all one we spent was a couple of bucks on snacks at the dollar store and some drinks at a 7-Eleven. That we had to leave early because my girlfriend had to pee and the bathrooms were closed where she went squat against the tree. Best memories is ones where I'm camping at a free site off the side of the road and we had to cut down a tree because we didn't buy firewood. Where I used a hatchet that I had bought for very cheap and decided to cut down a couple of small trees and a fire to keep us going for a day and a half. Or when we tried to cut down a tree with that same hatchet and a machete my dad had had for years. I managed to get it down, but only to get it stuck in more trees. We spent three hours cutting down a tree, and I'll remember every minute of it. Not because of how much money I spent, but because of how much we laughed when it got stuck. Because of how hard it was to pull back and forth on that tree to get it off, hopped off the, off the stump. I will remember how hot it was, and how the grass smelled, how the pine needles, oh, how they felt against my skin. much fun it was to spend that day with my family. Others only remember vacations, like their trip to Paris at the top of the Eiffel Tower, and can completely forget about the night they had, where they just sat in the back of the truck, looked up at the stars, or that special dinner that your boyfriend made you, just because he wanted to. You remember the last time he just made you dinner? If he has, of course. But do you remember what he made you? How it tasted? What you drank with it? I remember my six month anniversary with my girlfriend. I had made baked macaroni and cheese that was too dry with some hot dogs chopped up into it. A small pan of lasagna, a steak, and homemade garlic bread. Steak was amazing, and so was the lasagna over cheese on top of the little burnt. The cheese garlic bread I made was amazing because I had mixed raw garlic and butter and microwaved them together to get their flavors infused together. That there were six layers of my girlfriend's lasagna. That it had ricotta, parmesan, cheddar, mozzarella, and feta cheese in it. Topped with more parmesan and mozzarella with oven-ready noodles because I didn't know how to make noodles yet. 
that we had red wine with our dinner. A little glass each. I remember everything about that day. Because of how much it mattered to make her happy. Not because of how much I spent. What do you remember about your wedding day? Do you remember your significant other's vows at all? Or do you remember how much it cost? How good the food was that you paid extra for? Or the gifts that you received? Maybe your dress? What color were the flowers? What did you drink? What did your mom say when she first got there? Or your dad? Or your brother? Or your sister? Whoever came? Who was your first guest to arrive? How nervous were you to walk down the aisle? Who sat to the right of you? Who sat to the left? What was your pastor's name? Do you ever ask yourself these questions and not have an answer? It's a terrifying thought to think you might be thinking about the wrong thing every day of your life. But if you feel that way, maybe try to change it. I guarantee you can. I'm hidden the limit where I'm about to fall asleep. So I think it's a good place to end it. I hope you liked it. If you did, maybe leave suggestions about other topics I should talk about. Share it with your friends. and I hope this gives you some peace of mind. Good night.